What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back. You know what it is. This is the Built on Bitcoin podcast where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I'm talking to as many of the founders as I can of all the dope people that are building on Stacks, trying to unleash Bitcoin, uh, and we're all just along for the ride. So I'm your host, Jake Blockchain, and today I'm pleased to talk with two OG stackers. They've been in the ecosystem for a while. Uh, and yeah, they've recently went out on their own and they're building a company called Mechanism that is kind of like an incubator to help other startup founders and entrepreneurs, coders, engineers, all the above. It's, it's a loose term, but they're just trying to build protocols and unle- unleash things, bring them to life uh, on stacks. So today... I have Jeff and Hank on the podcast, and we talk about a ton of things. We talk about what is a protocol versus just a service platform or or provider, Um, getting the weeds there a little bit. We talk about what does Stacks need right now, and I kind of took away the scalability solutions because that one's kind of easy, low-hanging fruit. And I was just curious, like, what does does Stacks really need right now? Just when I asked that question, like, what's, what's your gut say? And Jeff had a really interesting answer that changed my mind. So recommend you uh, check this uh, podcast out and let me know what you think. But yeah, let me not waste any more of your precious, precious time. And let's just jump right into this conversation with the co-founders of Mechanism, Jeff and Hank. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Hank and Jeff, uh, how are you guys doing today, my friends? Great, thank you. Doing really well, yeah. Good good to hear it. I'm excited to have you guys on. Um, I think a good place to maybe start, especially because we're doing this audio only, so I want people to get used to the voices they're going to hear on either side. So maybe a good place to start is, I'd love to hear from both of you guys a little bit of what you guys did before you found Stacks and then maybe up until you joined uh, Blockstack, like that that kind of like pre, pre-crypto life or maybe you were doing something before Stacks up until when you decided to join, join Stacks. And maybe we could start with you, uh, Jeff. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see here. I started my career as a, uh, as a designer, as a UI designer uh, and a branding designer. So I spent many years working for, you know, studios that did that kind of work and then kind of graduated into startups. So I, I worked for a few different startups as usually the first product designer on the scene, first, first product person and did a lot of UI design that way. And then, yeah, kind of, kind of moved up more into, you know, head product person, um, did that for several years. And then I was working on a, my own startup actually for a couple of years, uh, which was which was machine learning related, and uh, it was quite hard. I was trying to sell to enterprises, and it was very painful. Um, and on the side, I was dabbling in crypto. So this is like 2016, 2017. So I was I was sort of dabbling and and thinking, oh, I, I like this. This is pretty cool. And uh, and you know, I was starting to sort of think, uh, you know, maybe there's a sort of career change here, or like a, an opportunity here for crypto. But I also felt like an outsider and, and really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was sort of very kind of amateur hour. So in the back of my mind, I was starting to be kind of open to the idea of an opportunity that, that let me 
basically like go into a learning context where I could go from, you know, amateur to somebody who actually knew what they were doing. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I had a few ideas in mind, but also at that time, um, you know, many, many uh, sort of, you know, projects in crypto were, were L1 startups. And so really what they need is, you know, this super uh, sort of like distributed systems engineer experts. Like that's, that's really all they were doing is designing blockchains. You know, there was, there was almost no, no DeFi or, or, or sort of applications yet. And so um, I, I didn't have that background. And so I was a bit stumped on like how I would even contribute value. And so um, I heard about Stacks on a podcast with Ryan and Manib and that was back, you know, that's back when it was called Blockstack. And that's back when the, the focus of the project was much more, I think, expansive. It was like decentralized storage and decentralized identity and, and a blockchain and, and a, a lot of different ideas. And so it occurred to me when I heard, I heard that whole scope of what they were trying to do, it occurred to me that my sort of product background was relevant to those things. I was, you know, I was like, I can't design a blockchain, but I, I can figure out decentralized identity. I can figure out like how, how people would, would sort of, um, would sort of like, you know, would would bridge, you know, to to sort of known Web two kind of kind of uh, design patterns and things. Um, how they would bridge that into this kind of new context. At least I I was confident that I had something to contribute there. So I kind of filed away. Um, I filed away that insight, and then um, and then you know a few months later, maybe half a year later, uh, a VC friend you know, happened to to know to know Ryan and introduced me uh, to the company then and. And uh, I just, I, I knew that I was, I was really excited about it. And so I was, I was like either continue trying to sell, you know, enterprise software or, or kind of like dive into this new world. And I just decided to take the, take the leap and uh, shut down the other startup and just kind of, yeah, I was like ready to go all in on, on crypto at that point. Um, that's the story. Interesting. And how, how does, how does a UI guy get into machine learning? That sounds like an interesting jump. <laughs> well, I had a co-founder who was who was like a technical co-founder who um, who was helping me with like kind of all that that gnarly stuff. Um, no, what we were doing that that startup was basically a uh, it was kind of like trying to put a product manager in, in a box or something um, like <laughs> kind of digital product product manager. So what we would do is we were um, we were companies were giving us uh, you know access to their um, like to basically pull their their you know intercom data and um, and their one of their one of their system, basically their data that was customer feedback and customer problems and customer tickets, and we would basically run a language model on that, and then you know spit out a um, kind of a, a structured um, sort of graph of all these different product feedback. So the, the 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 unique thing we were doing was was this language model that kind of it, like sort of um, you know it was it was decent at categorizing user feedback in a way that was similar to the way a product manager would do it. Um, so I think the, the, the value there was like, Hey, if you get like 30,000, uh, tickets from, from customers a day or something like that, which one of our test customers did, they can't possibly do any kind of user insight on that or, or kind of like, you know, product insights on that. It's just the volume is just too much, but with this tool, they can, you know, they can, um, the scale doesn't matter when you're, when you're using that model. So that was the, that was the startup and its value. And it was, even though that was really cool and people were excited about it, it was like still impossible to sell it to companies. <laughs> so that's why, that's why we shut it down. Interesting. Yeah, you guys are helping find the needle in the haystack of just a swath of data. Uh, very cool. Okay, what about what about you, Hank? What's, what's your backstory, my friend? Sure, yeah. I got started in my career um, in 
you know, pretty typical kind of web developer uh, kind of path. Um, working for a couple different startups, um, doing what you'd, you'd probably call like just web to full stack development. Um, and I really enjoyed that, especially kind of in a startup context. Um, I think I, I thrive well as like a jack of all trades, master of none type. Um, and so I did that for, you know, maybe eight years and started to feel like I wanted to um, kind of push myself or specialize in a, in a way. Um, I definitely, I mean, I still do just tons of web development, but uh, it got to a point where I felt like, you know, putting together a page, connecting it to the database, um, shipping it, just, uh, I wanted something a little bit more, more, you know, challenging, I suppose. And so I started kind of looking into how I could, um, you know, uh, you know, maybe a field that I could specialize in. And going back a couple of years, um, I, I studied economics in, in university and um, didn't really use that at all in my career, but always had like this kind of interest in it from a sort of intellectual standpoint. And um, so, you know, I'm not sure the first time I, I heard about Bitcoin, but it definitely sort of, I kind of immediately saw the value or at least thought it was extremely interesting, this sort of censorship, censorship resistant, decentralized uh, money. Um, but I really didn't, you know, fully understand how it worked. Um, I, I sort of would play around with it, but it was kind of immediately obvious to me, um, sort of how Jeff was saying, like the original roles were really around, you know, distributed engineers. That was like the, you know, the main way people would contribute. And that's just definitely not my specialty. Um, and so it wasn't until around 2017 that I was, you know, um, kept hearing about this thing, Ethereum and, smart contracts and um, finally just kind of, you know, uh, decided to learn much more about it. And I immediately saw like, oh, this is sort of like taking all these values that I, I thought were extremely interesting around Bitcoin um, of, you know, decentralization, but kind of in a context where I can, you know, maybe provide a lot of value um, because I definitely can't build a blockchain, but I can, you know, hook it up to a web app, um, you know, write some, some code that, you know, determines, you know, state transitions um, and put it all together in, 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 a, in one deliverable package. Um, and so I spent a ton of, you know, a couple months in, in 2017, diving into um, basically web three development, as we would call it today, and uh, kind of built a, a little teeny app. And um, through that process, I found that a previous coworker of mine, um, Mitchell, actually, who's at the Stacks Foundation now was was working at Blockstack, and we kind of did this whole, oh, you're, you know, you're in crypto too. And uh, long story short, I was, um, I was at Blockstack. Very cool. Mitchell is a freaking powerhouse. He, that dude does so <laughs> he's much. Amazing. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. Absolutely. He, he must have some kind of machine learning in the background too, getting more done. <laughs> uh, it's possible. So, Okay, so I want to I want to jump into what mechanism is, but I think a way to get there that that might be interesting is when you go to your website, the, the first tagline is we design and build protocols on Bitcoin using stacks. And that word protocol, I've I've asked people what that means, and everyone has a different definition. It's kind of like if you if you go to like a product or a strategy person, they have a different definition of what strategy means. They can get really in the mm -hmm. weeds. So mm -hmm. I'd love to hear you guys' take of what what is a what is a protocol, and maybe 
may if it makes sense, maybe bracket it with how it compares to something like a more broad like service provider or platform. What, what is the difference? I could um, I could take a stab at it. It's a really interesting question. Um, like what kind of immediately comes to mind is, is sort of thinking of the protocol as, as sort of like the pipes or um, just like the foundation um, where it's designed in a way that, you know, maybe there's specific rules or specific ways that you can interact with it. And there's sort of like an input and an output. Um, and in smart contracts that, that really, you know, I think um, makes a lot of sense because smart contracts are this very kind of somewhat unopinionated programs um, in terms of like who's allowed to use them um, and, and sort of like what services, of course you design them, you know, based on customer needs, but you're, you're building this like core layer. Um, and then the service providers, uh, especially in the crypto context are kind of folks who, um, yeah, they're, you know, maybe building products on top of it. Um, and in Web3, I think it gets a little bit muddy because typically, you know, the folks that are building protocols are also building a web application and um, maybe even some sort of services on top of it. But maybe one way to think about it would be like, uh, you know, in smart contracts, NFTs are the protocols where they just say, you know, if you own this specific ID, you can transfer it. Um, and that's, you know, basically it. And then something like OpenSea um, can build a service where that allows users to kind of interface with these um, underlying protocols uh, and they, you know, build this very convenient UI and they, you know, grow a very consumer friendly application um, and build, build a good service on top of it. I don't know, Jeff, how, how would you answer it? Yeah, I think that's a really, that's a really great start. That covers most of it. I would say the easiest maybe way to get clear on it is to compare it to, to like a web two app or, or even just like what people think of as, as an app where I think the base assumption there is the assumption that you kind of have um, kind of like a capture on, on an audience or a customer. Like they're going to use your, your version of the app. You have some direct relationship with them. You know, you have some business model with them, et cetera. And I think, I think in the context that, that Hank just laid out, um, you know, you're with the protocol, you kind of can't make that assumption. And um, you have to assume that um, many different, um, you know, customers that you don't have a relationship with will use it for a variety of ways, including ways that you don't even intend. And, and other integrators will also kind of make use of the protocol, um, more of a utility that you kind of don't exactly know how it will be used. Um, and I think that's, you know, maybe, maybe like in a lot of ways where our time and energy is spent too, kind of also mirrors that. So we tend to spend a lot of time more on, on tokenomics um, and more like game theory and less on, you know, kind of um, kind of like consumer touch points. And, and um, in a lot of ways too, I think like the success of protocols is related to what I just said as well, where a lot of times I think the most successful protocols in web three are kind of the, the folks who are the, are the protocols that, that maybe integrate the most with the, the most other, other protocols or other, other applications. So it is kind of a, um, it's like a, you're almost purposely trying to not cultivate your own customer base and trying to, you know, help, help many, many other companies. Um, so it's like a different, different way of defining success too, for a protocol. Interesting. Yeah. So someone else said too, that um, they, they, they said one of the definitions is that it has to be open source by nature and that there was like some contention there, but I think what they really meant is that 
because the nature of open source, you like solve a problem once and then it gets solved for everyone else to abstract above that. Um, and so these things end up typically becoming the foundation that everyone else can kind of use and, and kind of like play with as they please. And it, it seems like the nature of blockchains, especially things like Ethereum and Stacks at some level where they're kind of like, they really are almost like computers in the cloud. The, the nature or the, almost the definition of a protocol is expanding in some sense. I don't know if that it definitely is. Does that yeah, resonate? I'm, definitely. I mean, you know, traditionally, when when you think of protocols, you think of like you know the protocols that uh, power um, the internet. So maybe like you know HTTP or SMTP for email. Um, and there's you know not a whole there's not a huge variety of of protocols, but they're very sort of um, unopinionated. So you can obviously build. Uh, any possible service you could think of on top of HTTP. Um, and if we go back to thinking of protocols really um, in the context of smart contracts, I think that's what's, that's, that's why you see this boom of protocols because um, they are very sort of like specific um, in terms of, you know, what the inputs and outputs are. Um, and with smart contracting languages, you have, you know, kind of, for the first time, this you know ability to to program a protocol um, in a way that can handle these specific need, needs. I mean, before smart contracts, you just couldn't really build a protocol for open financial you know um, means, um, and and now you can. Totally. Um, okay, I wanna I wanna jump into what mechanism is now. So I'd love to, I'd love to just start with the, the, the broad overview in your words. What, what, what are you guys building at mechanism? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, when, when, um, when Stacks 2 went live, you know, Hank and I started talking about kind of the future of, of the Stacks ecosystem and, you know, the value that we could provide to it. And, um, you know, we were both working at Hero at the time. And, um, you know, we just sort of, we sort of knew that um, the Stacks model, you know, as it's connected to Bitcoin was, was very valuable and very high potential. And we, you know, we had a couple of ideas that we wish existed, you know, on Stacks. And we, we wanted to also contribute, you know, as, as in the biggest way possible to the future of Stacks. And so that's kind of when we started entertaining the idea of, of like splitting off from, from Hero and doing our own thing. And so, um, we had a whole bunch of different ideas that like of different protocols, different products, you know? Um, uh, and so we were, you know, exploring that. It also kind of occurred to us that like uh, the thing that we're interested in and the, I think the, the thing that we think is the most valuable um, uh, sort of aspect of Stacks is its connection to Bitcoin. So we sort of used that as a, you know, a bit of a like, um, you know, an area of focus that we, we wanted to focus on. So kind of that combined with our skill sets and combined with just, I think this moment in Stacks uh, like what, like what needs to happen for Stacks to kind of reach the next level? We decided to, you know, basically start a uh, like a venture studio. So, you know, mechanism really in its kind of current form is is here to help other builders, uh, you know, kind of execute on protocol ideas um, uh, in the Stacks ecosystem. And we basically have we have two different projects running right now. They're both, you know, they're both kind of un, unannounced and under NDA, so I can't really go into the details on them right now. But you know, that's that's kind of the model right now, and I think. You know, we're going to we're going to continue to I think like uh, another way to say it is also we're going to 
we're going to be pursuing a couple of thematic ideas that, that are also related to this Bitcoin stacks you know, intersection. And then also maybe opportunistically, you know, helping a few just really high potential projects as they come along too. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's a venture studio and, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, leverage our two skill sets kind of to the maximum degree possible to help other builders at the stack. So I think with, um, you know, with, with Hank, it's, you know, he's a fantastic engineer and he also is great at smart contracts and great at kind of thinking through game theory and tokenomics. And I think with me, it's, you know, some, maybe some degree of thinking through game theory and tokenomics and also thinking about how to build interfaces for, for web three um, products that, you know, are, are easy to use basically. Hank. Yeah, I think that really gets into it. I mean, you know, um, if you like, if we got a little bit more specific into, you know, kind of how we work with builders, I would say um, our kind of ideal model is that we can find a, you know, fantastic founder or team who, you know, has proven capability to kind of like, you know, manage um, a life, like the whole life cycle of a, of a product, um, build a community and everything. And we can leverage our skill sets around making sure that they have the best design token, the most secure, um, you know, most kind of flexible smart contracts behind their protocol. Um, we can sort of bootstrap them off the ground and, um, you know, hopefully end up, you know, contributing as widely to stacks as possible uh, in a kind of repeatable way. Very cool. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think where to go next. There's so much interesting stuff you guys just said. There's multiple lines we can go down. Um, also, I think it's interesting for the people listening. I, one of the more bullish things I've seen is that everyone I talk to in Stacks, especially if they're past employees, they never leave. They just kind of like do their own thing, but they're still in the sphere of Stacks. So, you know, mm -hmm. like you can look at Patrick and doing city coins and what you guys are doing or like Thomas and doing fungible systems. Like I'm, I'm convinced that they've never lost an employee that didn't just build something else in the ecosystem. That's what it looks like. So <laughs> it might be, it might be pretty much true. I, I think it's just that Stacks is at this point where, um, at least for many of us who um, have been kind of like you know following this progress forever, um, yeah. At least speaking for myself, it's like I see this huge potential um, based on kind of its unique design and its differentiation, um, and there's so much opportunity. And so like you know, um, it's sort of this high conviction feeling of, of being early um, and feeling like you can make a high impact. And so um, I think that's a big part of it. Totally. Yeah, agreed. Um, maybe I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts because you guys have a, an interest in the game theory and tokenomics. And I know the least about this topic for a bunch of reasons. Um, I'm just not financially literate in that way. And I, I can't abstract in that way. Um, I'm curious first, how do you guys feel or what's your take on the current city coins proposal? I don't know if you're aware of it and just like how, how has, cause you don't really know how something's going to land until it's out in the real world and you kind of have to have that real world data. So what's your guys' take on, on city coins, how it started and what they're, what they're changing with their tokenomics and game theory as far as the emission schedule. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I, I actually don't know if I'm up to date on the latest, latest. I, I have um, I have caught like bits and pieces, uh, you know, as as I've seen different announcements and, and I've listened to, I think, a couple of spaces as well. But I, I don't know if I'm confident that I'm up to date on the latest. How about you, Hank? Yeah, I'm also, you know, not definitely not the best person to talk to in terms of the specifics of these, you know, upgrades, but I can kind of, you know, give my 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 bigger take. Um, I mean, CityCoin started out as basically the first, um, you know, smart contract protocol to utilize proof of transfer and this, you know, proof of transfer light um, mechanism, uh, which, which, you know, was, is proving to be um, really helpful to the growth of stacks and sort of like building this ecosystem. And um, it definitely has just a ton of potential um, for protocols built on stacks and, and built on anything. And so um, it was, you know, one of the first applications built on Stacks 2. And so it essentially, you know, followed the Stacks, um, like mining mechanism to the T in terms of, you know, um, how sort of blocks uh, distribute rewards and who gets the block reward um, and kind of the emission schedule. And I think that was completely smart and it did a really good job. But um, unsurprisingly, I mean, as you experiment, especially with newer things, you just learn things that were, you know, almost impossible to know beforehand. Um, and so I think it's just like completely natural and healthy um, to be sort of, you know, rethinking things um, and and kind of coming with a fresh approach. Uh, certainly a lot better than like just, you know, sticking with the way things are um, in perpetuity. And so like, you know, more specifically, I know they're building kind of governance and, um, you know, some amount of like upgradability to uh, their core contracts. And I think that's, that's really smart. Um, and, you know, it, even just in kind of what I was just talking about in terms of, you know, being able to learn, um, being able to like adapt, um, having just like the core layers of, of governance um, will help a lot with that. And also just for, you know, bringing the community together and making it a more kind of productive ecosystem overall. Um, so I think it's just great progress. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that's that, that's well said. I think that one of the one of the common complaints was that people felt like they didn't have any real say in how things were were spent, or it was just kind of like a a, a black box you sent off. And uh, people want to feel that like back and forth feedback loop. They want to feel some accountability, even if they're a Miami citizen from afar. And you know, starting something like a city coins DAO will, will, will bring some of that to life. So I'm I'm optimistic that that's going to do uh, a lot for the community. Um, Absolutely. So on on that same kind of POX light that city coins uses, you guys did a pretty interesting blog post and then uh, Twitter Spaces, kind of working through different different game theory aspects of changing POX light. And one of them you put forward was changing it so that the block reward wasn't winner take all, but proportional. Um, I love just touching that a little bit. And and how, how do you guys think about that? Um, would would that work for something like City Coins, or where is that use case best fit? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, so with that, um, I think the background is that Jeff and I have talked a lot about proof of transfer light outside of the city coins context um you know like really kind of yeah again seeing sort of the success of the mechanism um and just you know the more we thought about it the more we saw that it just kind of opens up 
a lot of opportunity. And so we've actually thought about it a ton in terms of, um, you know, other types of protocols. And so we've just, we've, you know, brainstormed and, and love thinking about, um, you know, how could we potentially tweak this mechanism or how might it work in a, in a different context? Um, and so we've, we've thought about and played with a lot of different uh, tweaks, like instead of maybe having, um, you know, each block, each individual stacks block include like a, a winning miner and like one, um, you know, set of emissions. What if you stretch that out um, to a day? Um, how would that change things in terms of like minor behavior and uh, like capital efficiency for the protocol? What if um, it's sort of integrated with something like maybe a DeFi protocol where um, instead of how CityCoins uses part of the, the funds to you know, fund the city, what if it sort of like funds the protocol itself? Um, maybe it funds you know, core development and maybe governance can you know, determine um, where it goes, you know, similar to the CityCoins upgrade. Um, and so we, we, we kind of went back and forth on, you know, we wanted to write this blog post about POX Lite. Um, we had a lot of different sort of potential ideas. And as I, as I started to get into, you know, that one concept, um, it turned out there was just kind of like a lot there. Um, and so that's, that's, that's what we went with with the, um, with the blog post. And we weren't trying to say, oh, you know, this is like the number one most important thing for CityCoins to do. I still think it's you know um, very interesting uh, in terms of how it might affect minor behavior, um, but it just kind of gets into what Jeff and I um, love to talk about, and you know where we hope we can provide value. It's like it's kind of thinking about these game theory aspects. Yeah, that's true. It's called it's called mechanism because we we like to sit around and talk about different mechanism designs and and design trade offs. Um, yeah, I think the only other thing I'll say is that I would love it if if more protocols um, tried to use POX Lite. Um, many of the many of the design choices for for POX, uh, you know, the main POX POX Prime, I guess, on on stacks in Bitcoin, many of those trade offs are a direct result of of kind of like hard constraints about you know the way that Bitcoin works or or the way you know the the sort of like uh, constraints around like trying to to uh, like coordinate blocks on two different blockchains and, and um, just a lot of, there's a lot of constraints there. But if you take away that requirement and you say this entire thing is, is executing on stacks, um, you have a lot more latitude and a lot more degrees of freedom basically. And I think Hank and I, we really want like more people to explore all those degrees and, and, and try doing some weird sort of variants on it. Um, and I think that there's, the, this is really cool because it's like a it's a new consensus uh, kind of concept and and we've only scratched the surface on all the different things it can do and so I think the best design for city coins and the best design for you know whatever variations uh, on this idea are are still out there I think we haven't seen them yet yeah yeah the the more I talk about POX light there's I was talking to the Savita guys and they were saying he brought up the idea that you could do like a a perpetual um, like company funding almost, or you can turn it off and on. Like you, you could do like an, an ICO and then turn it off as you reach your threshold. Um, I also was talking to the Theo Petra guys and I brought up what you guys were discussing with, with the proportional, proportional awards. And he said, he said that uh, one of the downsides for what they're doing is that from a legal perspective, because there's no assumption of a block reward in the current example, it gives them leeway legally. 
And if you were to switch it, uh, there'd be more assumption of reward. So it would change like the kind of like, uh, like hands off approach that they could do to, to execute the REAT model they're trying to bring through stacks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of different dimensions to it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. One thing uh, I, I remember you saying a minute ago, Jake, was that you, you feel like you're not strong on this topic. Um, yeah, it's it's funny that that uh, you know Hank Hank mentioned like economics in in school. You know, I I probably wish I spent more time on things like economics in school, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's more accessible than you realize. And and um, the best way to to get started, I think, on this is to just try using stuff. So, you know the my sort of primary education in all this is just from trying out different things, mostly on, on Ethereum, uh, a little bit on Solana, but just spending many years, you know, tinkering around and, and um, kind of going through kind of the school of hard knocks of, of, of like trying to, trying to learn how these things work and trying to read, you know, bad documentation and trying to, and, and like talking to people in discord about it, you know, like after, after you, after you do that for a while, like certain things start to click into place. And then, and then maybe actually the formal education, you know, would even be helpful on top of that even. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, Hank, what do, you, what do you think about that? What do you think about like the accessibility yeah. of, of tokenomics for, for sort of everybody? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, it's just such a new, almost <laughs> like playground, um, you know, because smart contracts bring these new opportunities. We are like just as an industry as a whole, not just stacks, but across the board, like learning so much. And so if you look a year ago and a year before that, there's just continual evolution. So sort of how Jeff said, you know, we haven't seen the optimal sort of city coins design. We haven't seen the optimal governance design. We haven't seen the optimal tokenomics design. Um, you know, maybe when it comes to like the core financial layers, um, there's a lot of innovation that's been done, you know, for a century um, in terms of just core finance and like options and that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to, you know, how do you build a global uh, pseudonymous um, censorship resistant community uh, and like, you know, what's the best way to vote on things and what's the best way to allocate funds and um, all of these things where like, you know, you just have to come with an open mind and really just be excited about checking out all the different things that are happening across Web3. Um, and uh, we're, we'll all just be continuing to learn for for a while, yeah. Yeah, I, I can totally feel that. It's like in my regular life, I tell people I have this podcast and I can kind of riff about things on stacks somewhat decently. And they think I'm like a god, like I'm an expert. And I'm like, no, no, I just know more than you. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm far from expert on any of these things. Uh, well, as we start to close this down, man, we've already crossed the half hour. This is, this is flying by. Um, fun. Yeah. And I, I like to geek out about talk tokenomics a little more. What, for the people who don't know anything about it, um, what are kind of the big movers that people play with when it comes to tokenomics? Like I can see supply and you have emission schedules. What are, what are the big levers that people have to play with when they're thinking through these things? This is Hank's favorite topic in the world. Oh no, go we're going to go for an hour now. <laughs> um, in terms of, yeah, levers, I mean, uh, yeah, like tokenomics kind of like encompasses this broad thing. So it's hard to even sort of design or define, you know, what exactly is or isn't, what's tokenomics, what's protocol design, they, they bleed into each other. 
Um, one of the levers that I think is is like really important to think about is kind of um, utility is maybe not the right word. Maybe productivity is the right word, but building like productivity in your, into your token. Um, if you look at a lot of the early uh, like DeFi protocols, um, they were a little bit more, not like loose, but um, maybe just, I, <laughs> I don't know, maybe more kind of basic around, you know, how they emitted their token and the incentives um, that they provided to token users. And so like the worst possible scenario would be like you as a protocol are just dumping tons and tons and tons of tokens as incentives to users um, who might not even really care about your protocol. And then not have not giving them any way to sort of like share in the rewards of the growth of the protocol. Um, and that just ends up in this like vicious kind of downward cycle. Um, and a lot of times they, you know, it ends up getting kind of abused. And so sort of the opposite of that is, you know, being really, really smart about the incentives that you provide users so that you are not, you're, you're creating, you know, organic, but incentivized growth um, with the right users, um, building the right behaviors, building the right network effects, and then allowing your token holders to, you know, not just participate in the protocol, but like uh, share in the rewards. So whether it's kind of like staking um, that allows uh, those stakers to, um, maybe get some protocol revenue, um, rewarding users who lock up for longer periods of time or, or just any ways that sort of like align long-term incentives. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, <laughs> without, without trying to yeah, riff too far on this, I'd say incentives on the one hand and then kind of token productivity on the other. Okay, hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about the reason why I want to pl keep playing this for a little bit longer is because I feel like there's so much kind of like, there's a lot of dormant tech in crypto period, like you, NFTs are being utilized and they're having their heyday and tokenomics or tokens are kind of a, a distant relative as far as how often they're used, except by like the biggest projects. And, but it seems like with what you were just saying, the way that tokens would commonly be used is almost how nfts are starting to become used where like you do have the asset as the nft whether it's a picture or a pass but the the current narrative that's kind of becoming the thing is like utility membership token gating and that kind of it seems to be like that kind of bleeds into the kind of like natural domain that tokens can kind of give you uh, too, like, the, like they're becoming one entity or they're blending, blending a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you, um, what you don't want, whether it's tokens or NFTs is like just the narrative only being that, Oh, someone else will buy this for more than I bought it for. Um, it's just not, uh, it's not sustainable. And so with whether it's an NFT or a token um, it's about how can I sort of like create more, organic utility or just bring in people who, you know, who their who they're sort of like viewpoint behind this asset is not just short-term speculation. I would say the the thing that you mentioned um, is is true. And and um, I feel like if you spend enough time kind of full-time in crypto and your you know job is to is to do this kind of work, I think I think that's pretty apparent. Um, you know, it's funny, I was, for the first time ever, I saw somebody either in a Twitter thread or a podcast or something re refer, they basically referred to 
to like the NFT subsector of crypto as just the NFT industry, as though it was like its own distinct thing. And that made me laugh a little bit because I was just like, I was like, there's no distinction in my mind between like they're they're just, you know, whether it's fungible tokens or NFTs uh, or or protocols, or whatever, they're all they're all incentives and they're all financial financialization of of you know digital assets basically. And so it's all the same thing. And I think you see people applying non-fungible thinking to to like liquid tokens, and you see the reverse as well. You know, when people fractionalize or whatever, they're applying they're applying you know fungible token thinking to to NFTs as well. And so it's all it's all one big big uh, basket of ideas yeah well said um okay i got a couple more questions and we'll close this out um i'm curious what you got from your perspective if we take if we take out hyperchains or scalability solutions what what in your mind is the biggest needs in stacks right now technical blockers or do you mean um use cases that would you know increase the sort of market or, or usage of stacks either or i mean i think from you know with your ui background i think that uh, a huge barrier period for crypto is just a super easy onboarding experience like you know getting people to to understand why they got to hold their own keys like they hold their social security number it's just it's a big problem it's gonna take an education one um so i'll, I'll leave it broad i'm, I'm just curious like when you hear that question, like in your gut, what do you think are the biggest things that are going to kind of like unleash, allow stacks sure. to unleash Bitcoin? Sure, sure. I'll uh, I'll answer the question, but before that, I'll say something controversial. It's like one of my one of my fun fun controversial opinions. So I actually believe that that crypto does not actually need much much UI improvement. I mean, I think that or, or UX improvement. I mean, obviously, there's improvements to be had there. We, we've seen a steady stream of them for years, but I don't. I don't know if I agree that that's the thing holding it back. And in fact, I would actually say in my, you know, let me back up. It, when I first joined the industry, I think that was my my perception. And and I, you know, I probably spent a lot of time uh, at Blockstack or Hero um, working on those kind of problems and kind of banging my head against the wall. Like, why can't we make this, you know, wallet easier to use, et cetera. I think as I've seen, as I've seen a lot of those efforts fail, and as as I've gone through my own learning journey, and as I've seen many people go through their learning journey, I actually think almost like the opposite is true, which is that using crypto products actually changes users and how they think about relating to technology. You know, like, mm. um, you know, like when you when you really kind of like learn deep down, you know sort of the properties of holding your keys. Maybe you don't understand technically how it works, but you understand the the properties of you know, I have some way to authenticate. I hold the the secret or the you know entropy behind that. Only I ho- hold it. There is no party to go appeal to when something goes wrong. That kind of upgrades the way you think about how you relate to technology, like how, how you what your place is in the technology system and what roles and responsibilities you have as you use it, et cetera. And it will generally upgrade that thinking into a more secure, you know, sort of um, sort of frame of mind around it. So. I don't know if I think that it all needs to get easier or better or like, or we need to fix crypto. I think almost in a way like crypto fixes us, not, not the reverse, you know, that's, that's probably, that probably is a silly statement in a lot of contexts, but like in certain contexts around UX uh, for crypto, I do think it's true. Wow. That's, <laughs> you just blew my mind a little bit. Cause uh, <laughs> I, as you described that, I, I totally agree. Like 
everyone's so focused on, you know, they want to make a wallet as easy to use as like logging into Instagram. And that's the, it's because you're kind of like, you're using the same workflows that everyone's used to. And we think that if we just get them to do that, then they'll all come like flushing in, but you're kind of flipping it and saying like, you want, you don't want to have any central entity that you go to because it erodes the thing that we're trying to do in some sense. So you have to just change your relationship. Like how, how would you treat this if you were like, you are your own bank and this key is the master key to your bank. Like you have to treat yeah. it on a whole different scale and the, the old methods don't work without severe downside. So you, like you said, you have to let the, the mechanism change the way that you interact with, with the world like going forward. Yeah. It's even more profound when you think about it from Bitcoin. Sorry, Hank, I'll, I'll just say this one last thing, which is it's more profound when you think about it in the lens of Bitcoin, even because, you know, Bitcoin's got all kinds of problems with, with like how, how hard it is to transact and it's expensive and it's, it's slow. And, um, but after you use it for a while, and then you start to go back into the sort of banking world and into the sort of CFI world, you realize like the properties that are missing there. And so, it's almost like through through struggling and experiencing the some of the some of the constraints of Bitcoin, you realize like how like sort of bad fiat is, or some of, some of the baked in properties that are bad over in the fiat world. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's a thinking it's a thinking upgrade thing. You're like, it sort of drops it drops the you know you you kind of get to see behind the curtain. It drops your illusions that 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 system is so good. You start to see you know that fiat system more for what it is with you know sort of sort of problems and all. And um, again, it's sort of like interacting with this completely different paradigm kind of upgrades, upgrades your thinking um, about it. What's your take, Hank? Uh, I, I think it's extremely well said. Yeah, I mean, if you, um, I, you know, yeah, we all probably have heard, um, you know, why can't you just add like email and password to this wallet uh, as setup? But then, you know, well, then what's the point? Um, <laughs> you know, you're, that's basically just a bank at this point. Um, and so, yeah, definitely many UX improvements to be made, but you can't get away from, you know, self-custody or at least solutions that are not just relying on one giant tech company, you know, that owns everyone's kind of like data and seeds and everything. Um, but yeah, we, we were, your question was around uh, sort of what, what's kind of the next big growth areas for stacks, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. We, this goes back into sort of the thesis that we, we kind of have at mechanism of like, what is Stacks good for? Or, um, you know, where, where's, where's its value lie? And it's definitely to us in its relationship to Bitcoin. Um, and so kind of in like the short and medium term, um, we think about it in a few areas. Um, one is definitely just sort of like the, the ease of use and, and sort of the utility of getting um, Bitcoin capital into Stacks. And so different ways to think about that. One is like sort of, you know, different bridging type of mechanisms. Um, I think Zest is a really just amazing example um, that also shows like where, how, like why Stacks is so valuable. Um, Cause you can build like lending uh, protocols on, on whatever smart contracting chain, but only on Stacks can you build this really Bitcoin native experience where people only, you know, have a Bitcoin wallet um, to, to sort of lend and, and get their interest um, and do it in a totally trustless way. Um, so that's, that's one area. And then stacking also, you know, kind of comes into this. Um, stacking is, is like, is amazing because um, it's, it's different. It's different from so many other sort of yield opportunities in crypto, um, whether it's like DeFi staking that kind of just come from like 
you know, um, emissions of the thing that you are staking, basically just, you know, inflating your own, um, your own asset. And then on, um, well, and similar with, with L1 staking, but with stacks, you, you earn this very nice yield, but in Bitcoin. Um, and it's really just, you know, very unique on its own. And so providing more sort of like utility around stacking um, and ease of use is, is going to be really important. And so, you know, Stacks 2.1 includes some awesome POX upgrades. Um, and those I think will be a huge unlock in terms of uh, protocols on stacks that can utilize stacking. And so um, maybe, uh, you know, we feel strongly about like a liquid stacking type of protocol where users can stack their stacks um, and then maybe uh, use those locked stacks as collateral to, you know, maybe, um, uh, borrow or, you know, mint stable coins um, or what have you, uh, really just making it more productive back to this like core, you know, token productivity um, issue. And then once you have that, you can think of kind of a million protocols that could be built on top of it. Um, you know, whether it's um, NFTs that can stack or like leverage stacking. Um, once you have like a, a trustless liquid stacking platform, um, you can kind of, you know, do whatever you want. Um, and then even we think like, uh, you know, one of the holy grails is like finding a way to trustlessly earn stacking yield on your Bitcoin, um, you know, in a totally sort of permissionless manner. Um, so those are, those are two huge areas. Jeff, I think I'm missing one. Am I right? Yeah. The third area is, um, essentially, um, essentially like sort of borrowing, um, uh, an asset like sort of generation applications that use Bitcoin. So, so um, like Bitcoin stable coins and Bitcoin lending are um, they're related, right? So, so if you if you um, think about Maker, you know you're kind of opening a loan when you when you uh, mint um, um, uh, Dai over an Ethereum. So, I think some of these same these same mechanisms, uh, if they existed on Stacks and used Bitcoin as an input, I think would be really powerful. So, it's um, you know like a a, um, a stable coin protocol uh, that, you know, uses Bitcoin as the underlying asset. Um, and there's a few other kind of like native Bitcoin assets that should should exist on stacks too, that um, I think would be really, really powerful. And again, there, you know, that idea is just uh, sort of very well tuned to what stacks is good at. Okay. And so the, to recap, I want to make sure I got these right. The three you have is unlocking native BTC as close as we can liquid staking and then you said asset generation yeah like essentially using using uh bitcoin as collateral for new asset types on stacks got it okay interesting um okay i'm gonna take a hard left turn and and and, and close us down and i like i like to end on kind of like a a, a high like futuristic things going perfectly note so in three to five years you guys are doing your thing you guys are nerding out about game theory and tokenomics and mechanism like everything that you can imagine has gone perfectly what is what is mechanism or the things that accomplish look like if you're if you're like three to five years out and just hitting home runs well we've um We've acquired an oil platform offshore and built our headquarters <laughs> on it. It's a, it's a citadel slash separate nation. 
Love um, it. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, that is a great question. It's also funny because in three, you know, three-ish years, um, maybe three and a half years, we'll, we'll be kind of near the epoch of another Bitcoin cycle too, which is kind of an, another interesting sort of moment, like, like to sort of think about, you know, sort of where we'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know, Hank, any predictions? I mean, overall, I mean, I, I hope to just have contributed as much as possible to, you know, the success of Stacks um, and just really kind of bringing like Web3 as a whole forward. Um, I, you know, I, I can understand why um, lots of different people hate on crypto and Web3, um, but I see, I, I think it's all about whether you want to be sort of optimistic or pessimistic. And um, I see I see the value, even if there are sort of scams and, and downsides and stuff like that. I see all the good happening and, and sort of the potential. And so, um, and especially with Bitcoin, I mean, that's, that's, I think what brings us all here is, you know, these really core values um, behind Bitcoin. And so I hope that with stacks, it can really kind of like help solidify Bitcoin as, you know, the dominant financial asset in the world um, and kind of like just unlock various freedoms um, and, and yeah, even, even kind of in an equity type of sense. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I agree with that. Um, Yeah, I think that I think that as I was kind of uh, kind of riffing on earlier about how, you know, sort of Bitcoin changes changes us and and, kind of helps you sort of see the world, you know, in in, in sort of new ways and maybe more clear ways. Yeah, I would say that, you know, my personal journey, you know, um, in crypto has been kind of like returning to Bitcoin time and time again as as. as an asset and like a network and an idea or a set of ideas that have like some really, really special properties. And so I don't think I'm saying anything, you know, revolutionary there. I think a lot of people are seeing the same thing. And so, and so it's funny, it's like in, in, from a, from a kind of a monetary base layer, it's sort of, it's sort of a million miles sort of ahead of anything else. And then in terms of, you know, um, sort of productive uh, sort of DeFi protocols, it's sort of, it's sort of way behind. And so, I do think that it's such a big network and it's a, it's a global experiment and so many people are contributing, you know, I, I sort of, I sort of hope to just sort of play like a small part in sort of adding some utility to Bitcoin. Um, or, or, or I'll say, I hope to play a big part, but I'd be satisfied with just with adding a small part, you know, adding, adding some, adding some utility mm-hmm. and sort of making Bitcoin a little bit better and making the world a little bit better um, at the same time. Totally. Like well, well said. Yeah. Just trying to, to, let Bitcoin do all the cool stuff that all the other people are doing, but do it here on the, on the, the base stuff. Um, I actually got one more question. It just popped in my head and you guys have been close to the team. And I think the thing that's been so interesting about, you know, watching Muneeb talk is the, the long-term vision and how they designed everything was very, very deliberate. And so you can look at it like Bitcoin is the base and it's, it's the, this, most sound money you've ever seen. And then Stacks is the programming layer. And then now we're building the, the scalability layers. Does that rabbit hole go further? Like, or once you get to scalability, does, is it more about just getting devs and applications uh, on these three layers? Or it, is there other distinct layers that are like clear, bright lines, like the money programming scalability layers? Hmm. Interesting. 
Um, yeah, that's a great question. I feel I feel like maybe in some ways I'm not super qualified to answer, but the two things that came to mind is, you know, I do think that there there is a whole class of of sort of crypto applications that are reliant on like really fast throughput, and so you know I, I think that it I, I sort of am interested to know like how far you know um, hyperchains et cetera will be able to push that. Um, so I think that's one one bright line. Sort of I don't really know what what what's going to happen, and then um, maybe the other thing too I'd say is that <clears throat> there's also I think what you're seeing is that there's there's a there's like a whole um, sort of um, class of success for, for protocols and for, I think for L1s as well, which is kind of like how many things are they, are they interoperated with, right? Or how, you know, how composable are they? And I think Stacks is a long ways to go there. So, you know, there's, you know, just in terms of like comparing to other L1s and other, other protocols, there's a fairly like low amount of composability or, or not even composability, but a low amount of, of connection to other to other uh, sort of protocols right now. And so I do kind of believe that there's almost like an interoperability sort of war that needs to play out in the future too, I think to bring to bring stacks to the next level. And that, I don't think it's so much a tech constraint as it is kind of a, how fast can we create a lot of really valuable things and then go, go out into the world and evangelize them. Yeah, Frank, what do you think? I, I think that's well said. I, I had this, a similar thought in terms of, you know, from a core tech or engineering perspective, like I can't think of sort of, you know, some other big piece of infrastructure, like, oh, this is it. But I just think of, yeah, it's the network effects, um, you know, on on stacks and on Bitcoin, uh, like these these things are like sort of hard to, to build up from scratch. And that's what this past, you know, first year of stacks two has been. Um, and, you know, from here, you know, sure, it'd be great to have, you know, more and more scalability, um, but we just need, you know, more, more protocols, more applications, more users, um, and, you know, hopefully there will be many, many, many people that are, you know, smarter than myself, um, as, you know, as these things, as these, as, as we keep getting, like, new unlocks in terms of uh, this layer or that layer, um, it sort of builds on top of each other. And so I think in the long term, that's sort of how it plays out. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of bringing the multi-chain world more to fruition while still having Bitcoin and stacks kind of be like the gravitational force that, that pulls everything in. Um, any, yeah, well, whether it's, whether it's multi-chain or, or on stacks, it's always just about, you know, like the more, the more things that like, one protocol or application can hook into um, sort of unlocks one thing after another. Uh, like if you have a lending thing, now you can do this. If you have, you know, this trading thing or this NFT thing, now you can do this. Um, and uh, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the story. That's the story of, of growth in Web3. Okay. Um, any, any question I didn't answer or thing you want to talk about before we close out? just want to, I, I want to put that out there before, well, I mostly want to say just thanks for having us on. It's, we love talking about this stuff. And we, we love Stacks. We love Bitcoin. Um, we love kind of all the folks in this community that were around, you know, many years ago when we got started. And then it's also nice to meet all the new people. So thank you for just giving us a platform and, and letting us sort of uh, talk about this a little bit. I would say the other thing, too, is that um, we're kind of we're kind of always we're always wanting to hire and always want to meet great people in Stacks. Um, so you know, we've got a bunch of open rules. You can find them on, on uh, mechanism.so. 
and then um, there's kind of a perpetual open role, which is for for um, uh, you know entrepreneurs and residents, or or um, we might call them uh, founder and residents um, in the future. But that's essentially the folks that we work with. So those those are the the folks that we you know help uh, help them build and design you know new protocols on stacks. And so that's kind of a it's kind of it's not really a like a role where you join the company as a as an employee. It's more like um, it's more like a client role, really, where we we kind of um, you know sort of help help founders at a very special time when they're kind of in that design phase uh, for new products and new protocols. And so um, we love meeting new folks that are considering doing that, and um, we love helping and we love kind of learning about about what they're working on. And so uh, everyone should definitely sort of check that out. Um, it's, it's listed as like a, a role in the company, but it's really kind of more of this, this different kind of relationship. Everyone should go, go check it out and, um, you know, ping us either, um, either by applying or just DM us on Twitter uh, if that's interesting. Perfect. H Hank, any closing thoughts? No, um, just thank you for having us. Thanks for, for doing what you do with Stacks. Um, this is amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Man, well, I definitely, I definitely get a lot more than I give, even though everyone seems to love these. Talking to all these interesting people has has been super fun, and uh, I enjoyed a lot more. I mean, the first couple were super nerve wracking because I'm definitely more of an more of an introvert, but uh, yeah, it's it's been great. So I, I appreciate you guys for taking the time, and uh, yeah, good luck with all the things you guys are building. So, thank you, Jake. Awesome, thank you so much. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.